Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Sunday, now um, April the 5th. This is literally now the beginning as we are going into Passover week. So this is a, a week, what we call Easter, what the Jews call Passover. This is the week where we are heading into as we celebrate the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, it is our delight to come to you, and, and, and also we feel honored that you are tuning in with us today, whether you're doing it for the first, second, third time, whether someone told you about it and you, you want to find out what's going on. Uh, I know the Holy Spirit has drawn you today to hear what God has for us today. And uh, so we're so grateful. We're so grateful that you're taking out of your time and, and hear what God is saying, and we praise God for all that he is doing. And without further ado, we're going to get right into the word of God. I'm excited for what God uh, is going to show us today as we continue uh, with the story uh, of Lazarus, uh, what we call the Lazarus effect. And so we're, we are going to continue with that. Have your Bibles, follow us, and I know God will speak to you. And uh, it's good to have you, Brother Fernando and Brother Marty. It's good to be with you all this morning, and we know that God has something for us. Brother Marty, go Amen. ahead and take it from here, please. Amen. It's good to be with you all this morning and on this Sunday morning. And uh, and we're going to get right into the Word. Um, as we finished out, uh, I think it was podcast, what are we on, 18? <laughs> yeah, this is now our 18. I think it's 18. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 16, we finished out talking about uh, Mary, the glorious church, and and we believe as we've set forth, if you go back and listen to these podcasts, uh, especially beginning around 10 or 11, somewhere in there, uh, we began to deal with a, a sickness that came and began to deal with a death that resulted uh, 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 as a result of the sickness seen in, in Lazarus. He died uh, just before the Passover, and we began to talk about looking at all things prophetically speaking with a prophetic lens, uh, that it is it is it is not without irony that this pandemic that has broken out upon the face of the planet is in fact taking place and has begun to take place in the seasons and weeks leading up to Passover. And so we come to the Passover, and 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 as we were applying that that uh, that prophetic lens, and what we mean by that literally is is this that the Bible teaches us that that the historical narrative or the history that's written in the scriptures um, is, is in fact, uh, not just the history as it's written, but also it portends or foreshadows uh, events that will transpire in the last days. And so it is the principle of the Word of God that says, I declare the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And so we need to understand that as we grow in our spiritual understanding, especially uh, like what Paul said in, in, I think it was 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, where he said that the things that happened to Israel, for example, in the wilderness were meant to be examples and patterns of prophetic understanding uh, upon us whom the end of the world have come. And so the scripture yes. teaches that when you look at the story, it's meant to tell you not only what happened in the story at the time it happened, but for he that has eyes to see, because remember in Revelation 19, verse 10, we're told that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we yes. see a story in the scripture, 
yes, it happened. It actually happened. But with the spirit of prophecy, we were also meant to understand that those stories reflect a larger uh, truth that will be manifested in the last days, which days we believe we're living in. And so it's with that kind of an understanding that we began to be exploring what happened during the times of, of the resurrection of Lazarus. And we went through that, and you can go and look at the other podcasts or listen to the other podcasts and, and, and catch up with us. If you're just joining us today, you'll still be able to, um, to catch some things that we're about to say. So we're just going to do a little brief review. After Lazarus has written, risen from the dead, we're told that Jesus comes six days before the beginning of the Passover week, and he comes into Bethany, and there Lazarus has been risen from the dead. Jesus had to go away. Uh, prior to that, because after Lazarus rose from the dead, Caiaphas, the chief priests, uh, the Sanhedrin, the elders, they all realized that that miracle uh, was literally a threat to them, and they began to seek and to try and figure out how it is they could destroy Jesus and and his disciples, really. And so he left and went away. Well, <laughs> he comes back after a little time, and it's now six days before the Passover, and and then he enters into the house somewhere within the six days. Now, we ain't got time to get into all this, but if you if you actually go and look at the different accounts, you'll figure out that this is two days before he comes into Jerusalem. It, he's been hanging out for about six days, and then he comes into Jerusalem on the seventh day, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Now, listen, so Lazarus is risen from the dead, and Jesus comes, and they make him a supper, and sitting there in the house is Simon that used to be a leper, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and Lazarus is sitting at the table along with Jesus. And it's at that time that we began to talk about what happened next, because the Bible gives us an account that Mary uh, breaks a seal and begins to pour ointment on Jesus's head. And you can find the account of that in, in Matthew chapter 26 and in Mark 14, because John doesn't mention what is mentioned in those two places of Scripture. In Matthew 26 and in Mark 14, when Mary breaks the alabaster, the seal on the alabaster flax or box, and begins to pour the ointment out on Jesus, she begins by pouring ointment on his head. And then in John's account of, of John chapter 12, what he notices and what he points out in his account of the story is that Mary anoints his feet and then dries them with her hair, and a fragrance fills the entire house. Now, we talked about this, and you need to go review this, but we believe that this is a foreshadow, a prophetic indication of just exactly how the history of the church would unfold. Jesus being a representative of the entire body of Christ, because he was the body of Christ. He is the body of Christ in his first coming. There was no church until he rose from the dead, and they began to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, becoming born again, and they became, and we became, the temple of the Lord or the body of Christ. He is the head, we are the body. So it was very symbolic when Mary anointed his head and then his feet. And Jesus revealed what she did this for. He said, she's done this for my burying. In other words, I'm right. headed to Calvary. And so he reveals a message at this anointing. And we believe that that is exactly what is being unlocked now. Because in the anointing of the head, literally what was, be, what was, what was being uh, 
foreshadowed was that Christ would be on his way to Calvary. As a matter of fact, that's what he says in chapter 12, verse 7, where he says that she has anointed me for my burying. But there's this unusual, right? There's this unusual act that Mary does, which John points out, is that she didn't just anoint his head, but then she anoints his feet. Now, Mm -hmm. remember, uh, interpreting uh, spiritually, what that literally is foreshadowing is that the end or the last part of the body of Christ will also be anointed, prophetically speaking, for a persecution, a Gethsemane, uh, a Passover, going through a Passover into a Gethsemane, into a Calvary-like experience. This is what the book of Revelation teaches, that the final body of Christ, just like the feet that were anointed by Mary, will have to endure a similar trial that the master himself, the head, endured at his first coming. Now, you can go back and review the podcast to give you much more context and and comparing Scripture with Scripture. You'll see what we mean. But what does she do when she anoints his feet? She washes them or dries them with her hair, and we pointed out how the Scripture teaches that the hair of a woman is the glory of the woman. And so symbolically, by the anointing of the feet, and the, and the drying with the hair, what it's literally saying is at the end, the last part of the body of Christ will have a precious anointing poured out upon it, and it will become a glorious church typified by Mary uh, wiping the ointment with her hair, for the hair is the glory of the woman. So what we're saying is that coming out of this pandemic, several things are going to happen. A Lazarus-like church is going to be risen from the dead. We talked about Lazarus being a type of all those who after the last 10, 20, 30 years have seen a decline in in the orthodoxy of of Scripture, giving way to a well-entrenched ruling religious class elite that has has shaped the message and molded the agenda for the majority of the body of Christ across the world, especially in the hyper-charismatic and Pentecostal movement, for they, in essence, have become the ones who control the message via their their media platforms. And we see a type of this in that well-entrenched establishment that was around controlling the temple, controlling the message that would be disseminated throughout the synagogues of the land from the north to the south, the east and the west, much like it is today. And as a result of that, the 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 lack of spirituality, the lack of of true word caused a Lazarus like generation to die. In essence, to die. Not to die without belief, because Jesus told Mary, He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so that's what we're saying is that as we are coming out of this pandemic and we're right in the middle of it right now. We believe that what is actually happening is a loud voice is being projected by the very Spirit of God to all those Lazaruses out there that long ago entered into a place of despair, despondency, and for all intents and purposes, a place of death, if you will, to that which was once active and vibrant in your life. But it doesn't mean that you forgot God or quit believing. It just simply meant you died to what you thought should be. But this voice that is coming now in the midst of this pandemic is the voice of the Lord. And suddenly you find yourself waking up. You find yourself coming forth from the dead. And this is what we want to talk about today because this is what we believe is going to come out of the pandemic. We are going to see several years unfold. 
not many. We believe that we possibly are entering in to the to the beginning of sorrows, which would give way to the tribulation period. Now that may not fit in a lot of your doctrinal theology at the at the moment, but stay with us and listen to us as the Spirit of God allows humbly so us to expound the scriptures as he's given it to us. So the anointing of the feet, Lazarus having been raised from the dead, and Jesus sitting in the house, fills the house with the fragrance. And this is what where we are today. It brings us uh, to understanding what I like to call, what Fernando actually labeled it, Brother Fernando, he called it the Lazarus effect. Because it is a church that will come out of this pandemic that will be like a new resurrected church, a true church now. But understand what we see in verse 4. When Mary anoints his feet and the house fills with the fragrance, it is the first time in chapter 12, verse 4, that the Holy Spirit draws our attention to Judas. Judas, at that very moment when the presence of God is flowing, he suddenly becomes indignant and angry. And in verse 5, he says, why wasn't this ointment sold? In other words, he wants to make merchandise out of the glory of God. He really reflects, if you will, like metaphorically speaking, the kind of backslidden megachurch system that we see today. They have taken the things of God, even the most precious things of God, and all the while they look for opportunity to, to, to make merchandise of it, to raise money. To, to live in their extravagant way. And the Bible even goes on to point that out when it says in verse 6 that he didn't say that we should sell the ointment for the poor because he cared for the poor. It says, but because he was a thief and he was the keeper of the bag and he, he, he kept all the money that was there. If this right. isn't a perfect picture of the prosperity movement and all that health and wealth and hyper charismania stuff, I don't know what is. The point is this. Yeah. And the point is this, is that a glorious church is going to come out of this. It's already being worked on, even as we speak today. He's moving, he's calling forth his people, and it's going to push them into a place where they will become, and we will become, Lord willing, that glorious church. But understand this, as that new expression of the real begins to take place, it is then going to be in direct conflict with a Judas-like church that is concerned with money, materialism, and 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 really um, with 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 offerings and, and 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 all kinds of other things that we that we have spoken of at length already. So what are we going to see? I think we see that 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 the thing that will separate the two is what Jesus says to to Judas in verse seven. He tells Judas to leave this church alone or leave Mary alone. He says, it is against the day of my burying has she kept this. And then he goes on to talk about you always have the poor and so forth and so on. So what does this mean for us? I mean, how does how do we apply that to us? What is it that we're saying is going to happen? Because it was at this point when Jesus reveals to Judas that he has been anointed for a martyrdom, for a Calvary that's just ahead, it is not a message that Judas wanted to hear. And when you go over to Matthew chapter 26 and Mark uh, chapter 14, what you're going to see in that, that account is he leaves the house right at that moment. Coming out of this, 
this whole uh, coronavirus thing, this pandemic, this sickness, this disease, this death that is gripping the whole world, if you can see it, two types of churches are going to emerge. One will be a glorious church made up of Simon, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and the other will be that church that is prophesied in the book of Thessalonians from the Apostle Paul that's going to be the church that falls away. Now listen to this. It was the message that Jesus gave to Judas when he said, she's done this anointing for my burial. The church that's going to be coming out of this pandemic into the next phase of prophetic unfolding uh, as, as we go forward in these, these trying times upon the earth, that church is going to reject the message of true prophetic revelation. Mary, Martha, uh, right. Lazarus, and Simon, they all had a revelation that something was coming. And it was the receiving of that revelation that caused them to become a, a fragrant, glorious church. And Judas is in the house the whole time. See, these two churches have been so uh, blurred together that, it, that mm -hmm. we sometimes, uh, those of you who have rejected that whole aspect of hyper-Christianity, so to speak, megachurch, Hillsong, Bethel, whatever you want to call it, man, uh, the, those who have rejected it, unfortunately, we've all been lumped together as yes. if we're one big church, right? Right, right. You want, you want, you want to comment on that, or, or are you good? That's, that's powerful what you're saying, Brother Marty. Uh it's like would would the word interjected together be? I don't know if I'm using the right word. Uh, intertwined. It, it just, intertwined. You know, yeah, intertwined is a better word. It seems like the false and the real church seems to be intertwined to the point where people can no longer discern the true and the false. That's good, and that's, and that's yeah, and that's precisely what we're saying. So, so what we're saying is that. At this time that we find ourselves in right now, revealed in these scriptures that we've been talking about at length, something is had to occur to distinguish the real from the two, from the from the from the false. false. To distinguish yes. the true from the false. A powerful move of the spirit is taking place right now as we speak. Yes. People are locked up in their homes, churches are shut. It's a time of great reflection for those who are reflecting, and it's it's a time also of not being affected. Think about this. John points this out precisely because he was so overwhelmed by what he witnessed. When he saw her pour on his feet, it is as if John himself was caught up in something very, very prophetic that he saw. That is why he doesn't mention right. the head. He mentions the feet, and he's mentioning the feet precisely because it is at the end of time, the last part of the body of Christ, that will become that fragrant, glorious church that 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 really uh, is a is a is a reflection of the head, right? Because the head was anointed, then the feet. The rest of the body, if you want to look at it symbolically, the body of Christ, represents the history that passes between the head and the feet. The body of Christ has always been here. And remember, using the principle of the beginning from the end, the book of Acts church, the early church, the first church is the beginning. And what was it marked by? 
it's it's a glorious church, a church full of the Holy Spirit, a church that witnesses great uh, expansion of evangelism and the gospel, but it's also a church that had to endure intense persecution. And it's also right. a church that had the final apostle living at the end of the first century who received the complete unfolding represented a prophetic history represented in the book of Revelation that was given to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. And so it's not by mistake that the Spirit of God causes John to identify this foot anointing and, and to include it in his gospel, because he's trying to tell us by the Spirit, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, that the final part of the body of Christ will become that glorious church. It has to happen. But it comes out of a sickness. It comes out of a pandemic, if you will. It comes out of death. Because all of this is the culmination of John chapter 11, which gives the account of this sickness that came that led to a death, that leads to a resurrection, that leads to a glorious church, represented by Simon, Martha, Lazarus, and Mary. And it's precisely that, like Brother Jeremy's pointing out, that we we have a trigger that is, it's an alert to us who understand Scripture in this way as taught by the Spirit of God to recognize that the same pattern is beginning to unfold right before our eyes. And it's necessary because, as we talked about, there has been a blurring of lines, like Jesus in his parable when he said that somebody sowed tares among the wheat, and they said, shall we go and pull the tares out? And, and he said, no, unless you damage the wheat. He says, leave them alone until when? The time of the end. That is when the separation of the tares and the wheat will begin to take place, he said. And so that is the prophetic lens and the metaphor we're applying here to our time, is that what's going to come out of this is the beginning of the separation from the tares and the wheat. And when this glorious fragrance fills the house, that's when Judas is mentioned by John. And he represents, like we said, that that whole uh, you know part of the church that's been mingled together. But when the glory begins to manifest itself, he cannot abide it. And, and he will right. seek to take it. He looks at it as an opportunity to sell, to become enriched by something, right? And that's what they're going to do coming out of this at first, right? They're going to try and write their books and talk about, you know, the the prophets of the pandemic or whatever they're going to call it, you know. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're going to seek as – they're already trying to make it an opportunity to make money. They're already right. freaking out because their churches and their ministries have been shut. They're already be looking for ways and planning where – how they're – and there's even some who have already – have never ceased all along the way. The major networks, they've been raising money. You know, there's ministries from, from Baton Rouge to Dallas to L.A. You know, they're they're all pumping it out there, man. In the midst of this pandemic, to their own shame and disgrace, they continue to yeah. raise money and try to milk the body of Christ when the body okay. of Christ needs them now more than ever. But the truth of the matter is, is they have absolutely nothing to give. They have no light. But so yes. it's this that we have revealed here that it was necessary to take place just before Passover in order to begin the separation of the false from the true, and that's what we see in Judas. 
coming out of this pandemic, things are going to be turned up. And so it's at that moment when Jesus reveals in verse 7, he says, leave her alone, which is a beautiful thing for us, because what I believe the Holy Spirit is, is revealing right there is that divine protection is now going to come on this remnant church, this glorious church. He says, you leave them alone. They're not going to be able to be identified with with this church anymore. And he commands it. You leave her alone. And then he reveals, she's done this for my burying. And, And just as she anointed the head, so the feet, John points out, because this church is going to have an understanding that, yes, Jesus is coming, but there is an anointing for burial or persecution, a Gethsemane, a Calvary-like experience that doesn't end there. On the third day, early in the morning, Jesus rose. We're headed towards our resurrection, but that's for later in the week, right? So so it's the message when she says, when the Lord tells him, leave her alone because she's done this. It's this message that separates Judas and he he literally falls away because as you read in Matthew twenty six sixteen and Mark 14 and there, you will see that it's precisely when he says this, that Judas now parts and departs and goes and joins himself to the establishment church. Or in our day, it is, it is basically what we would call the, the beast church. I mean, it's, it's that system that's evolving. It's an ecumenical system that's already well entrenched. This falling away Judas-like church that is a thief and is all concerned about money, it's not going to want to hear the message of what's coming, and instead it will be driven by its lust, it will be driven by its greed, and it will join itself to the Caiaphas, the elders, the scribes represented in this story, but in our time, a globally sanctioned false church. That's what Judas represents. It's it's like Judas saw... It's like Judas saw, wait a minute, I see where this kind of ministry is going, where Jesus' ministry is going, right? (laughs) Like, I don't want any of that. So what he did is went to to, uh, the religious leadership, to Caiaphas, and he he sought to set himself up financially because he had no He begins to position himself. To position himself financially. And think about that now. You know, it, it, that's the pressure that that many people in the world uh, and even Christians are facing. You know, there's yeah. Christians that are losing their jobs. Uh, there's, there's there's Christians that barely have food to feed their family right now, and, and there's that pressure of the world, the system that says, okay, and and that's that's how the Antichrist is going to capitalize on on people because there's going to be this financial pressure, yeah. right? This this financial yeah. pressure, he, he's going to provide a, a means to, to, to where people can feel a little more secure financially and, and have the ability to buy and sell, right? And that's when he, 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 he provides the mark of the beast, as the Bible says. So think about that. I mean, what do you think people would choose? I'm, now I'm talking about Christians. What would they rather choose, you know, to give up their yeah. lives? and go against this system that is arising and is going to arise in the future or say, you know what? I'd rather just be financially set. I'd rather position myself financially to, to, you know, to survive and and to live in in this world. That's think about that. And it so happens that what the false church 
the, the doctrine that they teach has everything to do with money. The here and the now. Think about that. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely right. And that, brother, what you just said right there, it is an indication that the spirit of Antichrist is already... Remember what it says, that wicked one will be revealed who's coming is after the working of Satan. Right? That's what it says, Second Thessalonians chapter seven, uh second Thessalonians chapter two, seven and eight. It says his coming, that is the Antichrist, is after the working of Satan with what? All signs and, and, and lying wonders. Isn't that what the hyper charismatic yeah. Pentecostal movement has become? This gold dust Absolutely. falling from the air conditioning duct and this this, you know, the feathers and, and, and the barking dogs and the people rolling in the aisles and the kundalini spirit the yoga in the church. This is all signs and lying wonders. Now, remember, when Judas is at the Passover table, which we'll get into, uh, uh, Lord willing, in the coming days, in the next few days, and I pray that those of you listening will return during Passover and set aside at least this hour to, to reflect uh, with your family and friends. But, Lord willing, uh, it says there that John points out and says, uh, but Judas, uh, the, the, the devil having now put in his heart, to betray the Lord. That's how he phrases it, that it was put in his heart. He hasn't become the son of perdition because he's, he's both a, a, a type of that false church and he's also becomes the full-fledged type of the Antichrist at the Passover supper, but we'll discuss that later. For now, what we're looking at is what is revealed here is what you're pointing out, is that is that he becomes driven and then begins to try and position himself precisely when it's made known to him, this is where it's headed. And he doesn't want any part of that. And it's at that moment that we see a foreshadow of the falling away of the false church. It is where right. they're separated, and it's where he begins to go join himself to the establishment church, which is a type and a foreshadow of the book of Revelation chapter 13, the false prophet, and that ecumenical church that's going to distinguish the real believer from from the rest of the spiritual world, so to speak. They're going to come after the real believer. And this is why we were talking about the feet being anointed, being a type of that final end-time church, the last part of the body of Christ being a glorious church, a fragrant church, assigned for a task that will culminate with the coming of the Lord. Now listen, so go ahead. I just wanted to bring something out, too, that I see in, in what we're speaking about. Remember, by this time, Jesus had done many miracles. He had fed yes. 4,000, 5,000, and mm-hmm. this is the perception that people had. All right, Jesus does miracles. And, and even in chapter 6 of, of John, it says that people began to follow him, right? For yes. Not for the miracles anymore, but for what? For the loaves right. and the bread, <laughs> yeah. okay? So here now here comes Mary and does something so powerful. She gives everything of herself, not demanding yeah. anything back, just giving um, uh, the ointment, an expensive ointment. And it's, that, and it's like if Judas is watching is this and saying, man, this is not going to cause me to have to give out of mine. So he's, I got to change mm-hmm. the perception. And he throws to yeah. him. He says, man, this should have been given to the poor. In other words, mm-hmm. like, like I don't know, like, like if he's saying, you choose God, you want to be Jesus, you want to be known, 
Let, let's continue with, 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 with this, us giving to them, but nothing mm-hmm. requiring of us. I don't know if it makes sense what I'm saying. Absolutely, it makes sense. And that, that's exactly what we're saying. Because think of that. And, and, and like you pointed out, and like Brother Fernando just pointed out, in essence, we could say this is the message that Judas preaches, right? Just like you're saying. You have right. two different messages that are going to come out of this sickness, this pandemic. You're going to have a church that realizes that we are headed into that period of time that's going to be what the Bible calls the tribulation period, that's going to be what the Bible reveals is a time of persecution, a time of pressing, a Gethsemane fulfilled at large amongst the glorious church, headed to a persecution represented by Calvary, uh, ended by a resurrection when the Lord returns. So that's where we'll head in the scriptures and we'll see. But but think about this. The message Judas is preaching is one of a fake uh, socialism, if you will, right? He's tr- he said, right. we got to help the poor. And that's what these ministries do, right? They ask you for, for millions and millions of dollars, and then they parade a few poor African children in front of you and say, that's where all the money is going. Really? Okay. I mean, they right. have an endless supply of African children and Haiti children. And, you know, I mean, that's where they always go because they try to, they try to use the poor as a means for their own enrichment. And that's exactly what he said in verse six. He didn't care about the poor. He's a thief. He keeps the money. That's all they want. So this message is going to grow even louder in the midst of the forming of a glorious church. Two messages are going to come out. The one that Jesus says, and the one that Judas says, and the Judas church is going to attach itself because he represents that falling away, that church that that is indicatively become what it is by the working of Satan, and it is marked by lying wonders and false signs, and and that's what this whole hyper charismatic movement is all about. Right. There's a young lady. Yes. There's a young lady that 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 was once close to my children, and 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 I'm not going to go into too much detail, other than to say this: she's gone away from what she once knew which was the beauty of of, 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 of of just the plain scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And she she called my daughter the other day, and, she, and my daughter and her used to be really close, but she hadn't talked to her in a long time. Over the time period, they've been uh, going away from, 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 the, from the tradition of our fathers, so to speak, and hooking up with this whole crowd of false prophets and, and you know, signs and wonders and all that kind of stuff. And and she 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 was basically afraid and 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 kind of asking my daughter if she can come stay with her from where she's at, and that didn't work out. But we're not going to get into that. But one thing she said she was talking about she couldn't stand being around her roommates. She's in a college somewhere, and she couldn't stand being around her roommates. She said because they're just they're all crazy. They're like on all these psychology drugs, and 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 that she's at a major Christian college, and she says but. You know, uh, they live kind of loose, but they're really, really good uh, prophets. They know how to prophesy. Hmm. And I thought, my God, right? What a reflection of where and what we've done to our children. I don't lay the blame on her, but I do on the elders over her who should have guided her in, in the right way. Instead, they themselves are caught up with all these false prophets, whether it's the Mike Bickles from IHOP or the Bill Johnsons from Bethel or the whole Hillsong movement or the Toronto blessing or go down the list. All of it is coming up under this Judas church and they're going to come out of this 
because their profits are saying nothing. They're wind. Their profits are, are, are old bags of wind. <laughs> you know, that's pretty harsh, Brother Barty. Well, this is serious business. And I tell you what, if, right. if you will listen to what the Lord is telling us, you're going to be glad that you heard what you are hearing right now. Because we're trying to give you what we believe the Spirit of God is showing us and that we must prepare for what's coming. If you're not prepared for this, if you haven't built up the spiritual capital necessary, if you haven't allowed this to shake you out of your false sense of, 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 of religiosity, then you will not be able to stand at, at what is coming just ahead in the next few years. And so it's this event, this pandemic, that produced a new expression, and that's what we're saying, a new church is coming, a glorious church, but also the false church will become worse. And when the true word of God begins to come out, as Jesus proclaims it in verse 7, she's done this for my burial, when this end-time church begins to have the revelation that we're it, we're the final part of the body of Christ, and what has been told to us and revealed to us in the scriptures is that we are going to be required, and the Bible terms it for an hour, right? You know, the hour of trial that is coming upon the face of the earth. John calls it the faith and the patience of the saints. Jesus okay. calls it in Revelation chapter 3 when he speaks to the Philadelphia church, um, the, because you've kept the word of my patience. You know, could yes. you not watch with me one hour? I mean, it's all there. This church is going to have a revelation that that is what the Lord is saying is just ahead of us. But the other end of that is that he will cut these days short and he will save the elect. But for this Judas church, when it begins to realize that this is exactly what is unfolding, something's going to happen because of its consistent 10, 20, 30-year-now progression to where we reach today that is going to finally break within them. And rather than yield to the, to the convicting power of the Spirit and the rebuke of the Lord, they're going to go off and fall away, just as the Apostle Paul predicted in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And this is what we see when Judas leaves. And so the Lazarus effect represents a new resurrected church, but a true and a glorious church. And it's because of this that we will see this separation take place. Now, we go on from there. Judas leaves. Coming out of this, some of the relationships you have right now in the church, those of you that are listening, some of those relationships you're, you're, you're going to have to split from. You see, right. Judas left, right. right? Judas left it. You see, the time for political correctness within the church, the time for, you know, hanging out on the fringes and, and maybe you hang out with this dude or that dude or this preacher or that pre whatever, man, however you want to express it. This is what this is all about. The Lord, in essence, in speaking to the church in this country, has shut the church's doors in the hopes at this time of the season, of the Passover season, which is represented by so many things unfold in this Passover season. Out of this, you're either going to go with that same old thing and become just like them, or you're going to be like Mary, Martha, Simon, and Lazarus, a glorious church with a full revelation of what's coming and a deep assurance. Like the Lord said, I will keep you from the hour of trial when he spoke to the Philadelphia church that is coming upon the face of the earth to try all them that dwell upon the face of the earth. 
And so this brings us to to, to John chapter 12, verse 9. Judas is gone. And now what we're saying right here is this is what we're going to see going forward. Listen, as a result of this glorious church being manifested, we see in verse 9, it says that much people of the Jews, they will know, they knew that Jesus was there. You hear? Do you hear it? Yeah. Verse 9. They knew yeah. that Jesus was there. Mm. He's not over there hanging out with the, the establishment. He's not over there running with the prosperity preachers and, and the hyper charismatics like the Judases. He's there with the Simons, the Marthas, the Lazaruses, and the Marys. He's he's with the glorious church, and they're going to know it. Mm. They're going to see it on you that are listening on you pastors that are listening that are that are that are tired of playing the the, the corporate game they're going to see that Jesus is there see, that that's that's what verse 9 reveals much people of the Jews see the world it it identifies the church as one big whole but coming out of this it's going to be distinctly obvious where the Lord really is. <laughs> Hallelujah. <Right>. Hallelujah, man. <laughs> right? Glory to God. So it says, much people of the Jews, therefore, they knew where he was. They know that he's there. He's with them people. He's with he's with uh, he's with Simon who used to be a leper. He's with he's with Martha who heard the message of the coming of the Lord. He's with he's with uh, Lazarus who God called forth from the dead. He's with that glorious church Mary who anoints his feet and dries them with her hair. That's where he is. And so they don't only come for Jesus' sake, but they they come that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. See, they really want to see the real deal. You know, they hear about Jesus all the time, but they've never seen him. But these people that are coming out of this pandemic, this sickness that led to death, is going to produce a resurrection. And and the separation is going to take place from the, the true from the false, the Judases from the Marys, the glorious church from the fake church. And the world is going to be able to identify out of this who the real deal is. And it will be marked by the fact that it says this, they come to see not only Jesus, but the one he raised from the dead. Yes. They want resurrection power. They want to know that this thing called the church, this thing called the gospel, this whole Jesus thing, is it real or isn't it? And you that are going to come out of this, the next phase of what's going to be unfolding, if you if you allow the Lord to call you forth from the dead, is going to be a significant and absolutely credible display of the power of God in your life, and that's the Jesus they're going to hunger for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, so much it's of like the people used of to the... say, a brother, the the what is it, the bread is. It? Is it the put in the pudding or the pudding in the bread? Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. There you go. <laughs> Glory to God. Remember one of the plagues uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 8, the Lord said, uh, and I will put a division between my people and thy people tomorrow. Yeah. 
shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Think about that now. I think that speaks prophetically of what the Lord is doing in some of these mega churches uh, today. And into all the land of Egypt, the land was corrupted by the reason of the swarm of flies. I want to lay that out. That's good. That's exactly right. A distinction, right? And that's what we're saying. Yes. There's going to be a distinction and it's going to be seen. Notice they didn't they didn't these are the chief priests, right? Uh that that show up next because of it. Notice the people they go uh not just for the gospel's sake or Jesus' sake, but they go because there's somebody there who's proof that it works. Right? They come to right. see Lazarus who he raised from the dead. That's all they've ever wanted. You know, you guys who go out there and invite your friends to your church, if you even do that anymore, most people won't even do that because they don't believe in the church they go to. What is there? Nothing there, right? But you see, they will come where Jesus is, and they want to see active and alive in the people who claim to be following him. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Amen. Yes. Now, what else is going to come out of this pandemic and the separation of these churches? Because of that, and what it represents is a whole new move of God unlike the world has ever seen. The Bible has prophesied of this glorious church. Arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, and it shall be seen on thee. Isaiah chapter 6. It'll be seen on you, right? And and he says in the... And the Gentiles will come to the brightness of thy rising, right? I mean, it's 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 spiritually speaking, it's talking about a glorious church. It's talking about Israel who will get saved. I mean, all this stuff. So they come because because not just because of the gospel. They're not just going to come because of the gospel of Jesus. They're going to come where Jesus really is, and it's going to be reflected in those who have been called forth from the dead. They want to see the real deal. Now, this is going to cause friction. Expect it. Because verse 10 reveals to us, at that moment it says, but the chief priest consulted, check this out, how that they might put Lazarus also to dead, to death. That's incredible. Yes. So expect it, preacher. Expect it, man of God. Expect it, uh, you know, uh, church attender. Uh, if you're if you're fortunate enough to be at a church where Jesus is with a bunch of people who have been called forth from the dead. <laughs> Right. There's going to come a persecution by the establishment and to try and kill it. Why? Verse 11. Because that by reason of him, that is Lazarus, the real deal, Jesus working in the real deal, by reason of him, what? Many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. That's the awakening Brother Wilkerson was talking about, we shared about yesterday. See, they're going to lose a whole bunch of people out of their ministries. Trust right. me. Coming out of this, because they're going to say, you know what, we, we we just went through this thing, right? And it just has dawned on us, where was our church? Where was our pastor? Where was the word of God we needed when we came through this? But there's this group of people over there that came out of this too, that went through it with us as well. My God. They, they they have the power of God. They have Jesus with, you know, yes. and, and and that's that's why they're going to try and kill it 
because because they're going to lose many of their parishioners, as they say in you know in church doc. They're going to lose the people, many of them, and they're going to yeah. seek to put it to death. You have anything to say? Yes, it, to me oh, it go represents oh, go the 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 spirit of Korah manifesting in this hour. What Jude speaks about, because Korah, remember, it resisted the servant of God, right, Moses. Yes, the leadership and, of Moses. And, and what what they didn't, what Korah failed to understand that he already had a part in the tabernacle. He already had a part in the ministry, but he tried but to he didn't, put more apart. Right, more upon right. himself. Right, he didn't. He didn't want a part, though. Right, he wanted the whole thing. Yes, <laughs> just like he wanted these, to be just the... like these brother, just like these false prophets who seek yes. their own glory, who seek yes. their own glory, and and what's what's happening is while yes, you know Jesus is king, but even in his ministry, when Jesus would perceive that they were trying to make him king ahead of time, he would leave. Right, he was. He would right. go to the mountain somewhere and, and pray alone. And so another thing that you were, what you were saying is, you know, we need to have proof. Lazarus was the proof, you know, of the ministry yes. of Jesus. But yes. when these men talk about proof, they think that proof that they're preaching the real gospel is driving a Learjet, right? <laughs> uh, being the yeah. king's kid having the yeah, mansion, yeah. that's proof to uh -huh. the world that we are king, that we are establishing the kingdom of God here. And that's the very uh -huh. opposite. The proof of a ministry of Jesus is one that has a Lazarus, hallelujah, that was Lord dead, God. but that now is alive. Yeah. That's the proof. When you see the homosexual come to Christ and repent, when you see the drug addict, when you see those, what is that what you're seeing when you see these, these preachers on TV? No. It's all about a blessing, prosperity, but no altar calls. No. The proof of our ministry is it's if what we preach can set yeah. a captive free, can raise a dead man from 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 the grave. Hallelujah. And let me remind That's let me remind the yeah, let ahead. me remind the people as well, the listeners, what you enlisted into, what you signed up for when you said yes to Jesus. You you enlisted and, and gave your heart to Jesus and and, and 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 said, Lord, whatever it takes to follow you, even if I have to die. Right. And that's what it will take. You know, that's that's what we have enlisted into. Because to 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 look uh, and what Judas was doing was he was he was looking at Jesus, he was being anointed by Mary and Jesus said, Leave her alone because she's done this for my burial. What Jesus was proclaiming was, I'm going to die. This is my mission. This is what I came to do. And and what what happened there is that he was offended. But what he was really saying is that I don't want what Jesus is about to go through. And a lot of people are going to be offended by this message. But you're being offended in him. Because that's right. ultimately what Jesus came to do. Yeah. And to to oppose that and to go against that kind of message is to oppose Jesus because he laid his life down. He set the example for us that if I did it for you, you must be willing to do it for me because what I have to give you is much more greater than what this world My can give goodness. you. And to oppose this right message, and yes. to oppose this message is literally opening yourself up to the powers 
of darkness. And that's ultimately yes. what happened to Judas in that Satan entered him. That's what's at stake here. Okay? We're either going to be completely given over to the Lord. Now, I'm just going to flat out say it. All right? And, and I, I believe this message, this podcast is coming as a message of warning to the people. You're either going to give yourself completely to the Lord and to the, and to the leading of the Holy Spirit, or you will give yourself over to another spirit, and you will lose your soul. The Lord told Lord, Peter, what profiteth a man? There he goes, profit, economy, money, gain, and gain everything in this world and lose his soul. That's what's at stake here, and that's what we're, we're trying to say. There, there is a divide taking place between God's people, his true people, and those who will ultimately give themselves over to that ecumenical movement, this false church that will give itself to the spirit of this age and ultimately to another Messiah. Yes. That's what's taking place right now. Yes. Now, and that's powerful, brother. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's very, very true. And, 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 and what you said was it went off in my spirit because that's exactly, that's exactly it. Uh, the Lord has said, said, I gave everything for you. I gave everything for you, and I gave my life in obedience to the Father who gave me everything. But it was by way of the cross, right? And what he will tell yeah. the final body of Christ, the the feet, if you will, that glorious church, and, and all the church that led up to it, represented by the fullness of his body, he says, he says, I'm calling you to the same thing, right? He that would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. For he that would seek to save his life will lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake and the gospels, he said, shall mm -hmm. find it. And that's what's yes, waiting for right. us on the other side. What is waiting for us is a glorious destination. And yeah, yes. is, is, is something so... If I had a billion words of adjectives to describe it, it wouldn't do it justice. There's coming a new heaven a new earth wherein dwelleth yes. righteousness. There's coming yes. a glorious uh, ages without end where we will behold the glory of the Lord, which he had with the Father before the world began. And we will be his bride forever. And that's what yes. he is calling us to. But My because Lord. we have not heard these kind, th th this message, like you said, it's not new. It's what the old-timers used to tell us all the time. You know, yes, it's that very right. kind of tenacity that looked beyond the horizon, that transcended Hallelujah. the cloud of the veil of this world, that pierced up through the clouds and saw the beautiful crystal clear blue skies of heaven revealed in their soul. It's what they urged us on to, Paul would say. We've been encompassed by so great Hallelujah, a cloud of witnesses yeah. urging yeah. you on. You know, your grandma's there Hallelujah. telling you, come on, you can make it, right? You know, your your yeah. uncle who always tried to get you to go to church, he's like, come on, you can make it. It's real. It's real. And they're there. They're looking over the banisters of heaven right now because we're converging on the end of the world. If you can't see that, I don't know if you'll ever see it. But what we are experiencing right now, 
just before Passover is an indication we're headed into those final days. Much is going to happen. A few short years. But what is that in comparison to eternity? And so tomorrow we'll pick it up right here. Because when this begins to happen and it's already begun, the next day it says, verse 12, on the next day, much people were come to the feast when they heard what? That Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. See, these yeah. events triggered a new message. Jesus yeah. is coming. Hallelujah. And, and, and that's where we are. Jesus is coming. And we pray that you take time to reflect on those things, to rejoice in that. And tomorrow yes. we're going to get into that. Because understand, it begins Passover week. He comes riding into Jerusalem. And there's and, and the reason we're paying attention right now, we'll get into it more uh, tomorrow, but many, many significant events, prophetic events happened on Passovers. I'll just, I'll just tell you a few and we'll close. Um, Abraham's original sacrifice where he split those pieces and, and, and he saw a burning lamp and a smoking flax come out of heaven and walk through those pieces. And a great horror of darkness came on as it was revealed to him that his descendants would be slaves in Egypt but would be released. That happened on Passover. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed on Passover. You can find that in Genesis 19. Well, how do you know it was Passover? Because Lot made unleavened cakes. And unleavened bread is a chief component to the Passover. Jericho was destroyed on Passover. Gideon and the, uh, destroyed the Midianites after having a dream of, of this barley cake that was made from the from the Omer, which is in the second day of Unleavened Bread's Feast. It happened on the Passover. Sennacherib's Assyrian army, which is a type of the Antichrist, and his forces were destroyed at the time of Hezekiah during the Passover season. The handwriting on the wall that, that foretold the destruction of Belshazzar's kingdom, the Babylonian Empire, occurred during Passover. And Esther and the Jews fasted, and Haman was destroyed during the season of Passover. This is why we're closely watching all these things, because, because it's a prophetic signal. And the fact that this global event has taken place right before Passover, and now here we are, God is speaking to us. Prophecy has begun. The uh, the switch has been flipped, and the days are upon us, and we are looking for the coming of the Lord. Can you close it out, brothers? Yes, yes. You know, uh, on this April 4th Sunday, I I think it's only, it's important that we close with a prayer, because I sense, I want to echo what you guys have been saying. We have come to a place, literally, we find many listeners in the valley of decision where you're going to have to choose if you will continue the same or you'll be part of this church, remnant church that God is going to raise up in these hours. And I know all of you, most of you, all of you that are listening, you love God. It's the very fact that God has brought you to these podcasts and, 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 you know, you're being confronted you know, some of those preachers are maybe someone that you, you have in your ear, but you're beginning to realize. And, 
And we want to pray for you because it's not a coincidence that we are entering Passover week, a time where Jesus went to the cross and he left. He, 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 um, he gave his life. And I think that's exactly where we have to head. If you want to find life, you have to first lose yours and be willing to lose everything to find Jesus, to follow him. So I want you to pray with me. Father, we we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Yes, As we are being challenged, God, and, and, and your word is showing us the, the condition of the church, where we find ourselves, Lord, and Father, and where we are heading, God. And one thing, Lord, that we know is that we cannot continue to, to do things as we usually do it. We're not going to go back to to the same things and the same routines and the same religious things that we do, God. No, you are causing us, Lord, to come to yeah. you, number one, and repent us and say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, God, I repent. And, Father, I want to be part of that true church, God. And, Father, and I know that it's going to cost us something because while while salvation is free, while what you did was free on Calvary. It cost you something. And so it must cost us something in the sense that we must be willing to surrender everything to us. Everything we believe, all our theology, and surrender to, to you and inspect the lamb in this hour, eat of the lamb, and apply the blood of, of the lamb on our doorpost, God. I pray that this week, Lord, your spirit will deal with the hearts of your people, Lord. And you will continue, Lord, to open up our eyes, Lord, and cause us, Lord, in this hour, Lord, to die as Lazarus, for life is coming. Hallelujah. A, a new dawn is upon us, Lord. A church like Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and a Judas church that is also going to arise in this hour. Help us. Help us to be part of that remnant, Lord, that will follow you, Lord. We thank you for this word. We ask you to bless your children throughout this day on Sunday. And, Lord, as we come back tomorrow, Lord, that you would help us to come with open ears as you continue to speak to us. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen and amen. God bless you and keep looking up.